so much. Thanks, thanks, thanks. There we are. Hey, welcome, everybody. Hey, my name is Steve Husky. I'm the lead pastor. Man, it's a privilege to have you guys in the house. want to welcome our Lawrenceburg family. Man, it's good to have you guys, too. Come on, let's welcome them. Everybody else watching online and or you will watch this message, thanks so much for tuning in. Well, listen, man, we have been in a series for the last several weeks uh, entitled Father Knows Best. Today's week three, and I would just encourage you, if you've not been here, for any of these messages that you go back and listen. Here at Faith Church, if you're new, we teach in series, which means we will take a topic or an issue, and we'll talk about it, and we'll unpack it over three, four, five, sometimes six weeks. And so they build on each other. So any message can stand alone, but if you really want, man, to dig in and grow, you need to listen to all the messages. Man, I think the last two have really been phenomenal. So, man, go back and take a peek. Basically, the idea of Father Knows Best is this idea that Jesus came on the scene and he reintroduced God in a whole new way. That for years and years and years, people thought of God as distant. In fact, religious systems had made them feel that way. That God is transcendent, man. He felt far away. And God sends his son, Jesus. Jesus steps onto the scene. And he begins to introduce God, not just as transcendent, because he is. God is bigger than the creation he made. But he teaches that God is close. That he connects. In fact, he connects so personally that he connects like a father. And teaches us that when we pray, that we're to pray to our Heavenly Father. So through this series, we're just talking about who God is really as our Father, what He wants for us, what He wants to do in and through our lives. And so really, man, this is just a profound way to think. And I just, I want to say this, I've not said it through the series, but anytime we take time and we teach specifically on this subject of God being a Heavenly Father, taking our cues from Christ, that that's what He taught, we will get questions or responses from people, and we're always open. If you want to share something, we'll do our best to respond to it. But this is, comes in a lot every time we address this, and it's people that maybe grew up without their dad in the home, maybe disconnected, disassociated. Maybe, you, maybe your dad was in the home but was abusive, and so the idea of connecting God to a heavenly father makes it harder for you, not easier for you. And I just want to say this, uh, that Jesus, he goes to such lengths to teach about how good God is as a heavenly father that even makes this point. So if you don't have a good father... Like, I had a great dad growing up. But he says this. He says that even the best dad on his best day is evil compared to how good God is. So if you don't have a good dad and someone else had a great dad, it's really irrelevant. He's saying, man, that God is such an amazing God. He's such an amazing father that really even a good dad we don't have context for. So I want you to know today that even if you didn't have a good dad, you still have a good God. Come on, somebody. Is anybody here thankful? for who he is. So we are in the summer season, which means a lot of people will be traveling. A lot of people are out on the road. How many people here maybe have recently or will travel? How many people are hitting the road? How many people are going by plane? How many people are going by car? That's right. That's right. We don't like the people that fly. All the people stuck in cars for 10 hours with screaming kids. Jesus, take the wheel. Come on, somebody. So uh, I get an opportunity to fly a fair amount, uh, different places I go, opportunities I have. And um, like I never sleep on the plane. I know some people are sleepers. They take pillows and blankets and earplugs. I'm not a sleeper. I don't trust people. They're going to take something or put something in my drink. I'm just naturally suspicious. So I'll do two things. Um, I'll either read. I always have a stack of books I'm reading. 
I'll either read, but if I'm on a plane that has the TV screen in the back of the seat, I'm watching a movie because there's generally movies on there that I wanted to see that I didn't get to the theater to see. And so I'll, I'll check one of those out. And I love watching comedies. And I'm just going to tell you, if I'm watching a movie, I don't care where it's at, and I think it's funny, everybody's going to hear that I think it's funny. I do not have an indoor laugh. We were on a plane uh, several months ago, my wife and I, and I was watching um, a Kevin Hart movie. I don't care what you say, that guy's hilarious. Um, and so I'm laughing so hard, my wife keeps bumping me. She's like, shh. I'm like, but this is funny. Everybody should be watching this movie. However, um, I, I got the opportunity to watch a movie on a plane that I had heard about, and it wasn't a funny movie. In fact, it's a documentary. I would encourage you, if you're looking for just a good movie, you can check it out. I know for a while it was on Netflix. And uh, the title of this, of this documentary, of this movie, was Three Identical Strangers. If you've not seen it, basically it introduces this young man. He's like 18 or 19 years old. He's headed off to college for his first year. He has all this apprehension of stepping into a new environment and not being known, not having friends. He's kind of nervous. And he steps on campus, and he's shocked because all of these people are coming up and hugging him and shaking his hand and high-fiving him like they've been friends for years. And he's like trying to figure out, like he's glad to be accepted, but it's shocked, like why are these people acting like they know him? And as the movie unfolds, the documentary opens up, not to give it away, but ultimately what he finds out is that the previous year there was another guy on campus that all of these people knew, and here it was a twin brother of his that he had no idea existed. That this guy spent his entire life, did not know that he had a twin. And so all of these people thought it was him. And so as the movie unfolds, they reconnect, and it's, it's, uh, it's ironic because they're identical twins. And not just in their looks, but their mannerisms, how they walk, how they carry themselves, their preferences. And what's crazy, so I'm watching, I'm not laughing like I'm like, I keep looking at Sean like, it's crazy because as it unfolds, this story of these two twins reunited goes viral, it goes all over the states, and here there's a lady who opens the paper who sees the, two picture, the picture of these two boys standing side by side only to realize that her son in, her, in, the, in his bedroom looks exactly like the other two. And as it unfolds here, there were three, uh, three tr uh, triplets that were separated at birth, had no idea any of the other ones existed, and so the whole story is about their life. It's crazy, you have to watch it. But here's the thing is, I mean, it's... As you see, again, not just their actions and not just their looks, their mannerisms, everything about them are so identical. It's not shocking to us because they have the same parents. And everybody, or probably most of us in this room at some point or another, we've had it said about us. How many of you here have ever someone told you, hey, you look just like your mom or you look just like your dad, right? Or if it's not said to us about our parents, we have people come up to us and say, man, your kid looks just like you. Man, your son or your daughter looks just like you. I mean, a lot of us, that's been our experience. In fact, many of you here, um, you know my son. If you don't know him, look for me. He's a little thinner version of me. <laughs> but, man, we look, I'm telling you, it's crazy how much uh, we look alike. And, I, you know, I love to kind of harass him with it. You know, we'll, we'll stop sometimes at a stop sign or red light, and I'll pull down my visor and flip down my mirror, and I'll look at myself. I'll say, mm, son, your future is bright. <laughs> I mean, it's really, uh, there, there are pictures, man, we'll pull it of when I, was, uh, when I was, you know, his age, and it's just, it's crazy how much we look alike, and, and my son, Zach, doesn't just look like me, our oldest daughter, Kayla, looks just like my wife, 
And it's cool pictures of us dating, but it's weird because we were dating as boyfriend and girlfriend, but we see our son and daughter together. Now it's weird, right? <laughs> but it's crazy. And so you've experienced that. I've experienced that. Pastor Ryan, our youth pastor, he, um, he has a 10-year-old boy named Dalton. And if you ever see Dalton, I mean, listen, someone could say that's not your kid. I'm telling you, nobody could dismiss that Zach belongs to me because he looks just like me. Nobody can dismiss that Dalton belongs to Pastor Ryan because he looks just like like him. And come on, here's this idea that I want to tackle today for a few minutes, and this is where we're going to go, is that your reflection confirms your connection. Your reflection confirms your connection. Nobody can deny that Zach is mine because he reflects me. He reflects my looks. He reflects many of my mannerisms. It's crazy. Now, the same way we expect that in kind of natural genealogy, the same way it's not shocking that we look or act like our parents or our children look or act like us. The same way that's not shocking, what I want you to know today is that Jesus expects on the same way that we reflect our natural parents, did you know that Jesus expects you to reflect your heavenly father? As you read through, you find that Jesus, it's, it's this expe expectation that the same way you reflect an earthly father, that if you are from or connected to your heavenly father, that there should be a reflection, there should be a semblance, there should be a similarity in us, in our heavenly father. And if there's not that similarity, we might want to question the connection. Y'all are quiet already. But again, if it's there, right, again, it's, it's our reflection confirms our connection. And so I want to jump into a conversation that Jesus had, and he kind of starts to unpack this whole idea. And where he goes is he's talking to this group of people, and while he's talking to them, basically he's telling them that, that man, he came to bring life and that, that real joy, real meaning, real purpose is found in him, that he's the source of life, and he's the, he's the place we go to find forgiveness and to find connection. And while he's teaching this, this group of hyper-religious people called the Pharisees they begin to push back to the teaching of Jesus, and basically, here's their point. Jesus, we don't need you because we have Abraham. Now, if you're new to spiritual things, Abraham was their great, 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 great grandfather, that Abraham was this man. Later in life, he couldn't have a kid, and God enables him and his older wife, Sarah, to get pregnant, even though physically they're not, it's not able. Which, just side note, God can do the impossible. God can do miracles. No matter what your situation is, God is still able. Come on, somebody. Y'all ought to believe that. If what I'm talking about today has nothing to do with you, your situation matters to God, and God is able to do something with it. And so... Again, this guy, Abraham, he ultimately has a son, and they have sons and sons and sons. And out of Abraham, the nation of Israel is born. Out of Abraham, the Jewish people are born. And so basically, they're standing there saying, Jesus, we don't need you because we have Abraham. We don't need connected to you because we have a connection to Abraham. Here's the, here's the conversation. Check it out. John chapter 8, verse 31, if you want to grab your copy of God's Word or it's up here on the Jumbotron. So Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples, come on, if you remain faithful to my teaching. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Watch the response. They said, but we're descendants of Abraham. They said, we've never been slaves to anybody. What do you mean you're going to set us free? So Jesus said, hey, I came to set people free. And they're like, hey, we've never, we've ne we don't need set free because we've never been in bondage, we've never been slaves. 
Now, if you don't know the Jewish history, let me just fill you in a minute. This is one of the most ironic things they could say, and here's why. is because the nation of Israel had been in bondage at this point for about 800 years. They had been slaves to the Babylonian Empire, then slaves to the Assyrian Empire, and then slaves to the Medo-Persian Empire, and then slaves to the Greeks, and now they're under Roman occupation. And they're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> We're not slaves. We've never been slaves. Which means this, listen, you can be bound to something and not be aware of it. You can have an issue in your life and you can live in denial. Come on, sometimes you can live in a lifestyle so long that you begin to accept it as that's how things should be. And I want you to know just because it's your normal doesn't mean it is normal that Jesus came to set people free. If you've got anger issues, trust issues, struggle issues, listen, don't just accept it as part of life. I have sat many times across from drug addicts who are twitching, who are waiting for their next fix. Unless something radical happens in their life, they will not lay their head on their pillow that night without another high, and they'll tell you they have no problem because they've accepted the normal in their life is this is who they are. Listen, you can be in bondage and not even know it. And so these people are like, Jesus, we don't need to be free. We're, we're plenty free. And the flip side is, he goes on, he says this, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. So he's saying this isn't about the outside. This is about the inside. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you're truly free. See, what's crazy is the, the people Jesus came to set free, his own disciples, even though they were still under Roman occupation, even though they were still living in the same place, they could say, hey, I'm free. Because I want you to know something. Jesus didn't always come to fix what's happening on the outside of our lives. I know that's sometimes a lot of what we pray, God, fix this. God, change this. I'm telling you, Jesus said, listen, my kingdom is not of this world. Jesus didn't come to always fix external stuff. Jesus came to fix internal stuff. Because it doesn't matter how much Jesus changes your situation or your location if your heart hasn't changed. One of the reasons Jews today still reject Jesus as the Messiah is because they expected a political Messiah. They expected somebody to come and rescue them from Roman occupation because Jesus wasn't a political Messiah. They said he's not the Messiah. And again, Jesus said, I came to deal with the inside, not just the outside. And so I just want you to know, listen, man, the flip side of this is you can be here today and you can be in a terrible situation and you can still be free. Because you are not defined by a diseased body, you're not defined by a dead-end job, and you're not defined by a difficult marriage. You are defined by who you are in Christ. You are defined by the faith you have in him. We're defined by the grace we find in him. We're defined by the strength he gives us. Come on, somebody. We're not defined by the outside. We're defined by the inside. But here's what's crazy. It's so right. The, the people pushing back against Jesus, they throw out the heritage card. They throw out the family lineage card. Hey, man, we got Abraham. We don't need you. And so Jesus jumps all over this conversation. In fact, he, he goes through, if you're taking notes, this is really important. Bondage issues are first and foremost bloodline issues. Bondage issues are first and foremost bloodline issues. Now, I'll give you a prime example of this. Anybody in this room, right, all of us that are raising our hands saying, man, people say we look just like our parents. How many people know that your parents just don't pass on the good? Oh, come on, somebody. They pass on the bad, too. You get it all. In fact, a lot of us in this room, a lot of you in Lawrenceburg, we said things like this, I'll never act like that. I'll never do that. And then all of a sudden, we open our mouths, and it's like, my dad is coming out of my mouth. Where did that come from? Do you know why? 
because it's a bloodline issue. My struggles sometimes in life come from what my daddy passed on to me. While my dad passed on a lot of good, he passed on some of the stuff I don't like either. One of the things, if you don't know me personally, everybody who knows me, this is, this is, this is who I am. I'm wrestling with it, is Huskies are always right, which if you're the only Husky in the room, there's not a problem. But at a family gathering where there's 20 Huskies and 20 opinions and everybody's right, how many people know some sparks are flying up in that place? Come on. So where did I get that from? I got that from my dad. It's a bloodline issue. I struggle sometimes with my character because of who I'm connected to. And so, so Jesus, the Jews throw out the heritage card, and Jesus is like, okay, hey, let's, let's talk about that. Let's talk about who you're connected to. See, a lot of us, man, we're trying to connect our history to who we are. Do you know when you follow the story of Jesus, it's never, people never talk about a prayer they pray. When you read the stories of life being changed, people's hearts being transformed, they don't talk about a prayer they prayed. In the American church, we say, well, I prayed a prayer when I was eight. I said, Jesus, come into my heart when I was 15. I sat in church when I was 23, and I prayed the sinner's prayer. I'm not diminishing us putting our trust in Christ. That's the most important thing you will ever do in this life. But people who had encounters with Christ throughout his story, they didn't point to a prayer they prayed. They pointed to a life that was changed. People said things like this, I was blind, but now I see. People like Matthew, one of his disciples who used to be a tax collector and robbed his own people on behalf of the Roman Empire, he walked away from his job. He walked away from his career because he found Christ. So the question we got to ask is not what's your history, not, not what happened before. What's happening now? Is God changing your life today? Because if you're connected to a God who's always changing us, we ought to be changing and growing. Come on. We ought to be in growing. We ought to be increasing. We ought to be changing our life to be like the one who's changing us, right? Our reflection, our reflection confirms our connection. As we live like Christ, man, it shows us that we're his. The other side is, and I think this is really important, he says, verse, verse 37, he says, yes, I realize that you're descendants of Abraham. He's like, I, I know that. You're not giving me information I don't have. Yet some of you are trying to kill me because there's no room in your hearts for a mess. He said, I, I get that you have a physical genealogical connection to Abraham, but something ain't right. Heritage is not as important sometimes as we make it out to be. As a lot of times, people talk about spirituality in the context of family relationships. That we're okay because my grandfather was a preacher. That, man, my parents, man, we were in church every Sunday, man, my, my, nobody, loves, nobody loves the Lord like my mom does. And I think it's great that if all of us in this room, if we have people that have a great family heritage and connection to Christ, but the question is, do you have a connection to Christ? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Not, not do, see, it's not enough to know somebody who knows him. Do you know him? You can't connect with Christ through osmosis. You can only connect with Christ personally. Natural parents can't offer a spiritual pardon. It don't matter, doesn't matter how many people you know who know Christ, you can only find grace through Jesus through a personal connection. And so Jesus is like, hey, you want to talk, talk, uh, talk about genealogy? You want to talk about who you're connected to? You want to talk about relationships? This is about to get crazy what we're about to read. Jesus is about to go, Jerry Springer, who's your daddy right here? <laughs> I'm telling you, for real, I got to see chairs getting thrown. I want you to watch. They're like, you want to play the Abraham card? Let's talk about heritage. Watch what Jesus says. 
He says, I'm telling you what I saw when I was with my father, but you are following the advice of your father. He's saying, we don't have the same daddy. My daddy, Jesus is saying, is not your daddy. How do we know? They they protested. Our father is Abraham, they declared. No, Jesus replied, if you were really the children of Abraham, you would follow his example. Reflection determines connection. If you are connected not just genealogically to Abraham, if you really had a connection, you would act like he acted. And Abraham believed God. He's saying, I'm from God and you don't believe me. Something's wrong. Next verse, watch this. He says, instead, you're trying to kill me because I told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham never did such a thing. No, you are imitating your real father. They're leaning in. It's about to go down right here. Y'all ready? Imagine being here for this conversation. They replied, we're not illegitimate children. God himself is our true father. They're up in the ante. They're saying, we're not just connected to Abraham. We are connected to God. Watch. Jesus told them, if God were your father, you would love me because I come to you from God. I'm not here on my own, but he sent me. Why can't you understand what I'm saying? It's because you can't even hear me. For you are of your children. You are, uh, you are the children of your father, the devil. Wait a minute. You want to talk about Abraham? No, no. You don't, act li- you don't act nothing like Abraham. You want to say God's your father? Let's talk about it because you don't act nothing like him. He says, let's talk about who you act like. You're acting like somebody else I know, the devil. There's times my wife will look at me and say, you're acting just like your dad, and it is not a compliment. (laughs) Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. And my only response is, you're acting just like your mom. What? (laughs) Don't do it. It never works out. I can walk like that up here because she's way down there. (laughs) He has always hated the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. What Jesus is saying is, you are claiming a connection to which you have no reflection. There's no similarity to the one you say you're related to. He's saying there's a gap between your confession and your character. There is a chasm between what you confess and how you conform. Like there's, there is a big space that you can't explain. You can say you're connected to God, but it doesn't look like it. If you are connected to God, it will show up in your character. If you have a belief system, it will change how you be. It will change how how you live life. Listen, we need to be people that stop pointing to a prayer and start pointing to life change. I belong to him because my life's been changed. (laughs) Reflection determines connection. It doesn't matter how much you point to a connection. Y'all got to hear me. It It doesn't matter how much your heritage is, how much you grew up in church, how many spiritual people you know. Do you reflect the one you're connected to? Do we look like him? Do we act like him? Jesus calls these people. This is a mic drop moment. There weren't microphones. This was a scroll, a scroll drop moment. I don't know what Jesus dropped, but I just imagine he dropped something. Because these guys are like, wait, what? Because here it is. You want, you want to know the, the clear, this is the most basic thing. He says, this is how you know if you come from God, if you're connected to him, if, if you've come from him, if, if he's your father. This is it right here. You ready? 
Verse 42 again, Jesus told them, if God were your father, you would love me. Oh, I love him, man. Pastor, there's this song we sing, and when we sing it, I get warm fuzzies and my hair stands. That's not what he meant. God wants us to be passionate about Jesus, but Jesus said this. He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So what we believe should drive how we behave. What we confess should define our character. And when our character isn't changing, our confession is empty. No matter how much we claim a connection, it's, it's irrelevant if there's no reflection. Come on, are you all hearing me today? So I'm just telling you, like Jesus is having a hard conversation, not just with them 2,000 years ago, but this is for all of us like to take a hard look and say, man, am I, am I really walking this thing out? Am I just talking the talk? Am I walking the walk? Like this is, this is huge. And it gets into this whole idea, right, of, of nature and nurture. Why do we act the way we act? Why do we behave the way we behave? A lot of people would say it comes down to nature or nurture. Nature is, right, is, is your human nature. It's your hard wiring. It's, it's your family lineage that you, you act the way you act because of who your parents were, because of, you know, your family line. And some people would say, no, it's nurture. It's how you were raised. It's who you spent your life with. It's, it's who poured into you. And so the question is, why do we act the way we act? Why is our character, is it nature or is it nurture? And it's not either or, it's both and. Come on, y'all know that, right? It's, we are who we are because of, it is our nature. If I never, if I never met my dad, if, 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 he didn't do this, but my mom did that. <laughs> If he was a part of, you know, me being born, and I never met him, I would still be like him. I would still have some of his mannerisms. He, I remember as a kid hearing my dad, like, he would sometimes mumble to himself, and now I do it. I got to remember to call that person. Man, I can't forget this. Like, I'll say little things to myself, and I think, gosh, I hope nobody's listening because I sound crazy. <laughs> but my dad did that. And not just, not, just the, not just that side, so I have my dad's, I have, I have his nature, I act like him, I talk like him, I carry myself like him in so many ways, but I am who I am because he nurtured me too. There's things about me that only would be me because I spent time with him because he spent time with me. For example, like my dad taught me how to be mechanically inclined. That wasn't a, that wasn't a, that wasn't a nature thing, it was a nurture thing. My wife, several weeks ago, she went, to, um, she went to see family up in Ohio, and she's, she's coming back, and the, my phone rings, and she's like, Stephen, I stopped at a, at, a, at a place to get something, and um, my car won't start. And I was like, stinks to be you. My car starts. No. <laughs> you know what kicked in? Immediately, like my dad really taught me the basics of an internal combustion motor. There are three basic reasons your car won't start. It's not getting enough oxygen, it's not getting enough spark, or it's not getting enough fuel. So I know that. So right away, here's, here's my wife and my daughter have no mechanical inclination at all. But I'm like, pop your hood, let's check your spark. First thing they checked, the battery terminal was loose. They tightened it up, and they was on the road, which right away I started pulling for some points. I'm like, baby, ain't you glad you married a genius like me? <laughs> Listen, I'm not afraid to ask for a compliment. If you're not going to give them, I'll ask for them. 
And so again, it's, it's we are who we are. Come on, we are who we are. And this is what Jesus is teaching is, is nature and nurture. It's your family lineage. It's your genealogy, and it's who you spend time with. And here's what we need to know is that, that part of us in this world, and we don't like to admit this because we live in a world where you're okay, I'm okay, and everybody just needs to accept each other, and there needs to be love, and there needs to be grace, and there needs to be acceptance. But we live in a world where, where we're afraid to admit we're broken. Something's wrong with me. I lose my temper and I snap. Well, that's not okay. The way we treat people, the way we behave, the things we do, something is broken on the inside of us. And I want you to know this, that God's word identifies, and this is really what Jesus is saying to these people. Yeah, you, you, have, a, you have a physical, genealogical connection to Abraham, but it can't fix what's broken on the inside. You have a broken nature. Anybody here ever, you ever drive down the road and, and you take your hand off the wheel? Well, I'm not recommending you do that disclaimer so nobody sues me I'm not saying drive down the road and take your hand off the wheel but for all the women who put their Maybelline makeup on on the way to work oh I see you anybody making phone you ever take your hand off the wheel and as soon as you take your hand off the wheel your car come on starts to your car shouldn't do that if your car is functioning right you should be able to take your hand and if it's aligned right it'll just roll straight down the road I want you to know this, that that same feeling when your car starts to veer is in us. We naturally drive crooked because we have a broken nature. I was having a conversation. I'm about to get real. Can I, can I get real with you today? My wife and I, we were having a conversation, and our son was there, and he made this statement. Somehow the word pornography came up. And I said, I would like to look at pornography. My wife's like, what? <laughs> and I didn't mean like, I mean like right now. I'm not saying I'm going to go. But see, all the women in the room right now are like, oh, heck no, he didn't say that. And all the men are like. <laughs> you know, there's times because most of my family still parties that sometimes I'm with them and I kind of want to still drink. Where's that come from? You see, maybe my struggle is different than your struggle. My battle is different than your battle. But until you're honest enough that you have a battle, you'll never get free. As long as you claim, I'm free. Like, no, I've never been bound to anything. You'll stay bound. But until you're open and honest enough to say, I'm broken, my nature's broken, and it doesn't matter where I come from, who I'm connected to, I need help. And so it doesn't matter my family lineage, I need a new lineage. And that's why Jesus came. He came to give us a new nature. That what's in you, Jesus can change. Listen, we live in a world that says, I just was born this way. It's my behavior, it's my pattern, it's my lifestyle. And listen, we shouldn't just accept it because it's how we are. Jesus came to make us new. In fact, three verses real quick, Ephesians 2, 3, Paul pointing backwards to people who now are in Christ. He says this, he says, all of us used to live that way. Watch, following the passionate desires and inclinations of the sinful nature. I want you to notice, leave this up here. He's not saying, and I'm just telling you from experience, sometimes my desires haven't changed, but I don't have to follow them anymore. 
because the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in us as God's children gives us the power. Paul said that we have the power to overcome sin and death. I don't have to give in to what I used to give in to anymore. I'm not saying I don't still have inclinations, but I don't have to follow them because I'm not bound to them anymore because I have a new nature. Come on, somebody. Then Jesus says, right, he's saying it's not an option. Jesus said this, John 3, 7. He says, you know what, you, you must be born again. You, you got to. And he ties this, he ties this idea, he says, he says, you won't see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. People make the mistake and say that means one day going to heaven. It's more than that. He's saying you won't experience what God wants to do in your life right now until you allow him to give you a new nature. A new nature. Why do we act the way we act? Why do we behave the way we behave? It's because of our nature and our nurture. It's, it's where we come from. And Jesus said, you have an earthly father that's given you an earthly nature. If you want to reflect your heavenly father, you need to be born from him. You need to be born again. And when it happens, Paul describes it this way. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Every voice read this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become what? A new person. The old life is gone. And a new life has begun. He's saying your, your reflection will confirm your connection. Your new life will demonstrate that you have a new beginning. So John, going back to the conversation that the apostle John, he records, later he writes in life, and I think he's, I think he's thinking back to what he heard Jesus teach. And he makes this clear point. This is, this, if, you're, if you're taking notes, he's really saying your actions affirm your ancestry. Your actions, how you live, it confirms, again, who you're connected to. And so looking back, he records this section. And I, if, if, if you're going to be honest today, this should be, this should be sobering. I love reading the stuff in, like I love reading the Bible and it's the stuff you like. That God's going to bless me, good measures, pressed down, shaken together, running over. I'm like, yeah, I like that verse. And love your neighbor. That's a good verse. As long as they... I'll love them as long as I like them. When they do something I don't like, love's off the table. Come on. But there are some verses that are hard and challenging. And sometimes it's the hardest scriptures that will do the most for you. If you'll be honest enough and open enough to insert yourself. And so the apostle John, remembering the conversation Jesus had about, hey, whose father do you have? He writes this, 1 John chapter 3. I want every voice. Come on, y'all, everybody here, read it with me. Lawrenceburg, come on, read this together. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. He's saying when you are connected to the righteous one, you live right or righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who's been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came, this is great news, to destroy the works of the devil. Those who've been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can't keep sinning because they're children of God. So now we can tell who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers, does not belong 
to God. He's saying it's clear. Now, let me just say this. He's not saying that once you come to Christ, you're perfect and you'll never sin again. He makes the point. He's saying you won't practice. Everybody say practice. You won't practice sin, which means it won't be your consistent behavior. It won't be your consistent life. I'm not saying I'm sinless because I'm not But I can tell you this, since the day I got connected to Christ, the steering wheel's been getting straighter. It's not straight yet. It's been getting straight. Why? Because he's given me a new nature. And who I am today doesn't look like who I was before. Why? Because my reflection, hopefully and should be, is confirming my connection. Doesn't matter what I say. We can show people by how we live. And if how we're living doesn't line up with what we're confessing, it's showing something. And this is what John's saying. Like, let's be, he's saying, let's be really clear. Let's not fool each other anymore with the church language. He said, let's just be real honest. It's really clear. People that are connected to God, people who are connected to Jesus live righteously and those who are living like the devil, they come from the devil. Now, that should be sombering, but the good news is, he's saying, but, and this, because this is his point, but hey, good news. If you're honest enough possibly to admit you have an old nature, the good news is you can have a new nature, and Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus can set any life in this room, any life in Lawrenceburg, any life online. Jesus can set you free and change you and renew you and give you hope, peace, grace, power to live this life in a new way. You're not bound to an old nature. Real quick, I got to give this because the other side is nurture. We are who we are through nature and through nurture. Again, I, I'm part of who I am because my dad poured into me, spent time with me, not just because I came from his DNA, but he spent time with me. And I want you to know, a lot of you in this room, I believe many of you, man, are, are born again. You've been saved. You've given your life to Christ. But do you know there's a difference between paternity and fatherhood? There's a big difference. Paternity is about responsibility. Fatherhood is about relationship. At the end of the day, if one day you die and you go to heaven, that's because that's paternal. That's God saved you, made you his child. It's responsibility. It's all his. We can't save ourselves. Only he can save you. But he doesn't want this paternal ownership. He wants wants relationship. He wants to be your heavenly father. And you can do that by pressing in and spending time with him. You can maximize your reflection by maximizing your connection. You can grow more and change more and be the person God's called you to be by pressing in, allowing him in his presence to pour over your life. Every relationship all of us in this room are in is actively defining who we are. It's a proximity identity. You become who you run with. And God's saying, man, Jesus is saying, I open the door for you to have a, a connection, a relationship with your heavenly father. And as we spend time with him, he doesn't just give, a, a, give us a new beginning and a new nature, but an opportunity to nurture us and grow us and change us, that we can walk in freedom and joy and peace. And so, man, wherever you're at in this room, I want you to know some of you need a new nature. And it's okay just to admit it. God, I, I, I need a new nature, man. My old one is 
jacking my life up. And some of you here, you have a new nature. You've given your life to Christ. You're saved. But you need to grow in being nurtured. Press in. And so all over this room, as we get ready to close, if you're here and you say, Pastor Steve, I need a new nature. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would do just a profound work in these next few minutes. I pray that we would get a hold of what Jesus was teaching. I pray that we would grab onto what he was trying to tell us. If you're here today and, man, your life is maybe out of control. Maybe there's, there's habits and patterns and, man, no matter how many 12-step process, how many self-help books, no matter how many counseling sessions, you just can't get free of. I'm just telling you, the thing that will transform your life the greatest is being born again. And that just comes by just being honest enough to admit, God, I'm, I'm bound up. I need grace. And so if you're here and you've never given your life to Christ, and today you'd say, man, I, today I want to experience a new beginning. If that's you, I want you to lift a hand. Come on, real high. Say, that's me. Come on. Come on, you, you, need, you can walk out of this place absolutely changed. You can walk out of this place free if you'll start by just being honest. Come on, throw a hand up. Say, that's me, Pastor Steve. Today I need a new nature. I need a new beginning. I need a new connection. Come on, I'm awake. Come on, all over this room. I want you to throw a hand real high. A lot of hands. The rest of you, I'd ask this question. If you have a new nature, how many of you in this room would be honest enough to say, I need to... I need to work on the nurture part. I need to get a little closer. I need to spend more time. I need to press in a little deeper. Come on, just throw a hand up. Not for me, for him. God, I want to get closer. And so, Father, I thank you today. I pray in Jesus' name that, God, we would walk out with this resonating in our hearts, being honest, being honest about our connection by looking at our life. And Father, I pray for every person who raised their hand saying, I need a new beginning. God, I pray that as they call out to you, come on right where you are and say, Jesus, save me. God, give me a new beginning. You can use the words out of the honesty of your heart. God will hear you and he will save you and he will change you. And so Lord, I pray, God, you do that for every person. And Lord, I pray for the rest of us, God, pull us in. Give us the desire to press into your presence. God, to spend time with you, to read your word. God, to seek you in prayer and to be transformed to be just like our heavenly father. And Lord, we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody who agreed said amen. Come on, can we honor the Lord today? Hey, listen, if you prayed, you called out, man, for a new nature, man, you can text. There's a number up on the screen. You can text ALIVE, and, man, we will send you a text that will help you in your spiritual journey. All the rest, man, let's dig in. We'll see you guys next week for week four of Fathers Know Best. God bless you guys.